the Cognitive Rampage podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. Or at least getting ready to live your Cognitive Rampage coming into 2017. I was sitting Facebook Live like I do before I start every show with some fans, friends, excuse me, out there. And we were playing a Revolution song, you know, Fade Away. And I love that song, you know. And I started talking about, you know, to live like you know that this won't last forever, right? I mean, yeah, you got to, sorry, I had to cough right there. I got that coconut butter in the coffee. It's killing me. So, but if we could really live, you know, like we really know, it's like inside we all know, right, that it doesn't last forever. But yet we make decisions and choices each day as if maybe it will or maybe it'll last longer than we think it will, you know. I didn't plan to talk about that. That song just did that to me. That music kind of brings me in, you know, is if we could do that, you know, is really live like we know this doesn't last forever and maybe love each other like we know this doesn't last forever too could be something. But that's not the advice. That's not the tips. Don't worry. That's just kind of random. That jumped in. I didn't mean for that to jump in at all. But um, what I wanted to do is recap actually a couple episodes from this year. Uh, Talk a little bit about the podcast. But before I do that, you know what I got to do, right? The second edition of the Cognitive Rampage podcast will be out in January. I talk a lot about the differences between the two books, but uh, I'm looking forward to that. The audio book will also be out with it. I do read the audio book, uh, so it may sound like a podcast when you're listen, listening to the audio book. And uh, yeah, so that'll be all out in January. I'm not going to do a whole thing for Dollar Mental Health Club. If you listen, you know Dollar Mental Health Club's coming back next year. And I probably can't use the tagline, but I'm sticking with it. Fuck insurance companies, (laughs) you know, uh, we really want to try to bring real mental training, mental help to people, you know, that need it and that can afford it and that don't have to afford it. You know what I'm saying? They can't because mental health right now, it can be difficult. There's mazes of insurance, co-pays to go through. Does this person fit into your group? Can you go see him? Do you got to set the appointment? I get it. Like these things are helpful. I'm just trying to say a lot of us don't have that kind of time. Most of a lot of people, I mean, I've been doing this research, how many people are uninsured, even more are underinsured. So underinsured, guess what? Mental health is not covered. Usually people have catastrophic plans only, right? So yes, more people have insurance these days, but it's catastrophic coverage. So mental health isn't there. And uh, I just frankly, I mean, no shot. I mean, there's a need for psychotherapy and all this stuff. There's, uh, granted, I'm with that. But some of us just need tools and strategies for the now. Like I'm dealing with this choice or this idea, this problem. You know, I need somebody to give me a tool, strategy, and outside look right now. You know, that's mental training. But anyway, that's coming out too. And drink my tea. Go to drinkmycotea.com. Um, I love the my tea stuff. It's sitting back here. If you're watching the YouTube channel, it's over here. It's sitting back here. I love it. Um, pH of that water is like 2.5. That's what I'm a fan of most is that it's clean, beautiful water, which is getting more and more harder to find these days. You know it. Soon it's going to be the oil commodity, maybe. Shit. But anyway, you can get it now. They drink my coat too. You can get that beautiful, clean water with mushroom probiotics, all kinds of good, goody stuff. Helps your stomach, helps your gut, helps your brain. All that's connected. But the show, 120 episodes, sometimes some it's weird some days i look at it and i go fuck that's it i feel like i've done like 1120 episodes and then sometimes i'm like holy shit 120 episodes you know i was hanging with some friends last night some new friends i made last night and just talking about all that kind of stuff and it made me think and remember like way back in like 2000 when i say way back right what the fuck uh like 2013 or something 
Uh, I was just starting a podcast. It was terrible. I think there's like five episodes you can find on YouTube. And um, it was terrible. It was like a laptop camera and a yellow background. And uh, I remember just being excited when like four people watched it, you know, and somebody would email like, hey, you know, that that little mental health tip you dropped was uh, cool or something or help me or I applied it. I, I don't know. Felt good. But I don't know. It's like I'm kind of moving more to like a podcast counselor as my mom has uh, deemed me entitled me a few times. And uh, I kind of like that idea, right? Is this idea that you know, I didn't like the certified licensed way therapeutic approach many times, you know, and a lot of people I just I just didn't. And, you know, damn it, they <laughs> they made sure I had to do all of their things to practice their way. And now Dollarman Health Club doesn't let me do that. So we can do it different. But I just I don't know. Now I get to feel like I can podcast and talk to a bunch of people at once, you know, and maybe, you know, my mom said I was pretty good at helping. Right. But moms are supposed to say that, huh? But, uh, you know, maybe I can reach more people that way, you know, and, and, and help. And, and they don't have to have insurance, right? They don't have to, you know, pay to, to see a therapist or something like that. You know, that's kind of why I wrote that book, really. It was like, look, a bunch of therapists and think this is all the stuff they're pretty much going to teach you. You know, you can apply this yourself. You know, I was a, I was a dummy. And I knew I was a narcissist, too, back then because I was really mentally ill. And I'm like, look, I got to go learn what all these therapist people are telling me. Maybe that then I'll be able to assimilate it, you know, and I really dove into that stuff to really save my own life, to change my own life is why I headed that way. You know, it wasn't that cliche story, if you will, of like, you know, I got to I'm going to help the whole world and change the world. I'm like, I'm trying to save my fucking self here. I'm, you know, I'm drowning. it. so I dove into it and I learned all that shit beyond. And that's kind of what I tried to put in that book was like, here's all the shit I applied in my life that they taught me in this, you know, mental health course, what I learned here, all this application, you know, you know something to do, but I'm going on tangents, people. But I do, I look back and I go, holy shit, you know, it came this far from like four people that would listen or watch, you know, and people that had stuck around for a long time. You know, there's some fans of the show and listeners and members of the Tribe of Change that have been here since like, shit, 14, 15 uh, you know, listen a long time and stuck with us. You know, I keep saying on each podcast that the two words for these last couple months and going into the year has been like slow grind, you know, slow grind, right? Just, you know, not necessarily this marathon because I don't want to create this picture of this long race, but just a slow grind, just a slow grind build. And, you know, the, the show has been that. And I have, God, I feel so blessed, lucky. Sometimes I, I wonder, I'm like, how the fuck and why the fuck would <laughs> some of these people that I talk to want to talk to me? And, you know, recapping some of the podcasts that, you know, stick out right off bat, you know, right off the top or some of the ones that you guys have messaged a lot about and girls have messaged about is, you know, Dr. Jack Cruz's podcast. I have I, I don't know how many rabbit holes I'm in since I started this podcast, but it's I'm lost in some fucking ant maze of holy shit. I mean, Alice ain't got shit on the rabbit holes that the fuck I've been in over the last year or two. And Dr. Jack Cruz is one of those rabbit holes. I mean, the I just just learning the basic effects of the blue light from a basic standpoint of its of actual effects, how it works, how it attacks you really and makes you weaker. It's it's scary. That's why I do these podcasts. He tripped me out. If you listen to that podcast, it was great. He's like, look, I'm not trying to come to your love ladder. I'm trying to bring you to mine. I was like, fuck that hurt fuck all right he's fucking right <laughs> you know what i mean if so and so I, I get worried sitting in that so if you're in that rabbit hole of dr jack cruz's uh research findings and and facts man message me stuff what you're finding too 
And to let you know, Jack Cruz, I'm going to definitely be inviting back a lot more. That's part of what I'm trying to do in 2017 is some of these rabbit holes that I'm getting trapped in rather than, you know, have to wait a couple months to interview them. I'm going to see if I can get some of these rabbit holes I'm in, these inventors of them, these finders of them is to come back continuously and keep walking me through those rabbit holes. And Naudi Aguilar, uh, moving to the other guest this year that I have to fucking talk about, uh, has become like a brother to me. I love this motherfucker in so many odd ways. Um, you know, I got mad respect for him too. And it ain't just because he's 5'2 and a brown Mexican doing his thing, as he calls himself. Um, he's just, uh, he's a warrior out there, man, living life. And him being a part of my life now, this podcast and your guys' life education uh, helped me out from a physical standpoint more than I can explain to you. Uh, nor will I try to, uh, but, um, you know, now he has really shared a lot of his knowledge, a lot of his competence, a lot of his advice, his research, his life's work, you know, I mean, I'm just not even going to call it functional patterns. It's his fucking life's work. You know, you, you think of the times where people had literal life's work that that's what they did. And this has been now life work. And he's been kind enough, not only to be one of the most sharing fitness people online that gives away his shit. Uh, not only being that, but then also coming on to our show all year, uh, doing a, a segment a few times called the myths of fitness, uh, which we'll probably pick back up next year too, but sharing everything he's discovering, things he's questioning, things he's wondering, you know, he's allowed us to be in the present, uh, mind, uh, of such an inventor, you know, of such a creator like that. Uh, it's been a pleasure to get to know that, that guy and what he believes in, what he does, watch him fight, watch him work. Uh, that's been a pleasure. Um, and now he leads into so many other guests for me and functional patterns does, you know, from Nina Chow, who, who came on and was so brave, you know, I'm putting you on front street, Nina, she was so nervous and worried about that podcast. You know, she talked to me once or twice and I was trying to limit our conversation so we could talk on a podcast and bravely, uh, Nina being humble as she was not feeling deserving, if that's even a thing, uh, which is clearly not what this podcast is about came on and just bared her soul and just rocked it. And that was, that was cool. That was really cool for her to do that. And speaking of a, another strong alpha female that came on and rocked, it was AB, you know, AB LaRoche came on and she really laid her story out there in her life. And that's hard for some people to do. And she's continuing to do that, you know, on Facebook, that's her journey and her path that she's doing and she's doing it loudly. And, um, you know, back to the functional patterns, people, the recent ones, Shane, who just came on and Shannon, you know, the two guys that shared their stories. Uh, thank you. You know, guys, I've gotten emails about you guys' stories. Uh, I meant to forward them to you. They've been inspiring, you know. Uh, you know, I'm, I hope you're enjoying every moment with your daughter, Shannon. Uh, I see you online, you know, with some pictures and stuff, man. Live every moment of that, you know, with your kids. Just I know you are. And uh, I, I just know you're really happy, Shannon. So thanks for sharing your story and Shane coming on and being brave, even though my voice sounded like a chipmunk. Uh, it was one of the coolest, funniest hacks. Uh, oh, shit. There we go. That was one of the coolest, funniest hacks all year um, <laughs> that I, I think I think it was brilliant. Uh, so nice move. Uh, anybody. Uh, well, you know who you are. But um, man, we're falling all over the place here. I got another camera in here. But anyway. Oh, let's see. A couple other uh, FP representers came on. Um, let's see. I go through it now. Tony Wright. Look, if you haven't listened to the Tony Wright podcast, holy shit. I mean, look, 
<laughs> it's hard because if you got a cognitive dissonance the other way, you know, like I really had to listen to this and it's really hard to hear that theory, right? To think of ourselves as moving backwards, right? And it's an ultimate thought, you know, and, and but that's, look, that's just the cusp of it, okay? Get into Tony Wright's theory, look into his stuff. I'm definitely going to be asking Tony to come back on and, and walk me through it and, and uh, we'll get a better signal, Tony. We'll, uh, I think there were some tribe of change members trying to raise uh, some money, send you out a new laptop so we could have some connection. Maybe we'll do something like that. But, you know, Tony Jack the Bear, just, I don't know, man, like a, I don't know, I love that motherfucker been around for a year two years now man been on the podcast i think more than anybody uh he came and shared his stuff with us lately but um i, I love that guy to death if you, you really need some inspiration in your life i don't care what fucking age you are uh especially if you're a kid who's being beat down creatively or maybe someone that's you know feels like your life's kind of maybe over or it can't change or it's too late uh, if you need that look up my boy you know uh tony i just want to call you jack but tony jack the bear man's just look my boy up um love that guy Love all my Australian people. Kind of weird how we got, we got so many people that came uh, from over on the big island over there. Um, and see, Blair and Avery came on, uh, or Blair, I say Blair and Avery, Blair, Avery, and Kevin Belcher. Um, you know, two young men that took some flack and headed up to Standing Rock and brought us back some news. That was kind of you. Yeah, I really enjoyed you guys doing that. Uh, shout out to you guys to keep your fight going on. And everybody else uh, at Insurgency Now was their page. And when you know, uh, now he's on there again. He's been here <laughs> all year. Uh, Dr. Mike Van Thielen. He was fun. I enjoyed dude, I, the stem cell shit tripped me out, Mike. And sorry, I can't make the New Year's party, brother. I so want to be there. It looks like a bass, dude. I'd still be there. But happy New Year to you and uh, your family, Mike. Uh, we'll be talking more soon, too. Um, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, let's see. I'm not going to get heavy list, but, you know, Julia Rutledge, thank you for coming on and the, her fight to use nutrients to, uh, combat mental health disorders i think that's amazing research that needs to be done alistair mccall came on recently too uh athlete trainer mental trainer you name a great guy uh let's see the list goes on i mean it's just they all kind of stand out dr stanton peel just brought me to a whole new level about my education about 12 steps and drug treatment uh it it goes on my buddy christian edmonds you're going to be seeing some more he came on my uh uh, I forget the punk monk. I think he calls himself, but I think he dropped that. But um, the all infamous tribe of change member, member Matty Martin, um, the second Aussie to come on and drop his knowledge and talk. So Matty, man, a lot of knowledge came out of that podcast. A lot of fun chatting with you, uh, Matty. Another FP representative, big time. Uh, Brad Burge was fun. Uh, shout out to Xavier, but Brad Burge. Uh, thank you for sharing and, and being open. That was a deep podcast. We talked about the openness of psychedelic use, the study of psychedelics and mental health, uh, those implications, what they were finding. He works for MAPS, Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Look them up. Uh, shout out to Rick Dublin. But they're killing it. Uh, thank you, Brad Burge. I enjoyed that podcast. Dr. Carl Hart. Oh, thank you, my brother. That just that podcast. I'm telling you, I, I looked for, forward to that podcast for almost a year. Um, and there was a time where there was, that was it. I just went to interview doc, you know, so look up Dr. Carl Hart, uh, watch that podcast. If you want a real education on what the word drugs really mean and some standards, great podcast to share uh, a lot of competence in that. I mean, this guy, he trains the doctors that come out and talk to people about, you know, drugs, about use addiction. It's, it's been amazing. Uh, that was amazing. I love that podcast. Uh, Danny page, shout out to rush club. 
big fans. You guys, what you're doing for the disabled military vets is just, I dig it, man. I dig it. I don't give a shit. I know it's CrossFit and some of my fans have got anti-CrossFit. But let me tell you, I was at that Rush Club event this year uh, that a lot of people, you know, put some time and work and effort to make happen. And I told Danny that night, you know, Danny, I was watching you know, some of those soldiers up there, you know, missing limbs and et cetera, competing and people cheering for them and, and, the, and the light was on them. And, you know, they were, they were focused on for, for that night, man. And you brought that to them and all the rush club brought that to those uh, veterans that are in need like that, you know, aside all else, we're all human beings and where we stand, where we're the missing limbs of what we're doing. Uh, if we truly stand for love and compassion and that's what we show despite so anything of what someone may believe. So Danny, shout out to you and what you're doing at Rush Club and uh, looking out for uh, people that really need looking out for, man. Our veterans are taking it hard, especially from a mental health standpoint and things that you're doing uh, are really helping. And thanks for sharing your story, Danny. That was deep, man. Uh, I I still get emails about that, Danny, how you uh, just opened yourself up for the whole world to kind of see, man. So shout out to Danny. I hope to see you next year too on the show. Um, Lee Camp. He's been on. The, he's been on the show twice now. Uh, Lee Camp will definitely be back. I love that dude. Uh, if you ask me, no offense, all right, but Lee Camp should have replaced John Stewart on the Daily Show. I said it, okay? Like I just said it. Um, and Colbert should have stayed fucking Colbert. Um, but uh, yeah. So shout out to Lee Camp, man. Redacted tonight. Look up that show. Uh, if you like like the Daily Show type and some real deep in reporting of some stuff. Uh, get your stuff there. It's on RT Networks on YouTube, Redacted Tonight, Lee Camp. I love that dude. Um, keep fighting, as he would say, you know, uh, which is amazing how he had just had that tagline, you know. Fuck, keep fighting. Well, um, let's see. How else did the rest of the year go? I just so many. Stan Fisher, my buddy. Stan's going to come back on and tell his story. Uh, local guy, friend of mine. Uh, great story. We've already talked. He'll be back on. Listen to his story, too. You know what I mean? He's uh, got a good overcoming story about where he's at, what he was going through and where he's at now. I think that, you know, when Stan comes and tell you where he's at now, uh, you can look back and listen to that podcast and be like, shit, man. You know, he's really come a long way. So uh, Stephen Kotler brings me to the rise of Superman and the flow genome magician himself. Um, shout out again to Xavier. But um Steven, thank you, my friend, for doing that show and uh, coming on in February to do the release interview of your new book to uh, Stealing Fire, which I fucking can't wait to get. Look up Stephen Kotler's stuff, okay? He's got a lot of good books. Um, shit, there's a lot of them. Just The Rise of Superman, everyone knows. So if you're into the flow state stuff like I am, go there. Start with The Rise of Superman. But The Stealing Fire is a culmination of, you know, more further. He went went to see Navy SEALs. He went to see all kinds of specialist people that do this. And uh, just great stuff, Stephen. Thank you for coming on, uh, Stephen. Thanks for coming back on. And you will be hearing uh, hopefully a lot more of Stephen as time goes on. So I appreciate that uh, very much so. And again, I keep, you keep hearing me say shout out to Xavier. Uh, check out a podcast called the Human Experience Podcast. Um, <clears throat> the man interviews the greats. Somehow that magical motherfucker finds a way to book all the fucking most cerebral people you can find. So uh, again, check out that human experience podcast. It's been a uh, interesting year with Xavier coming around and hanging out and learning from him and listening to his shit. Holy shit, man. It's deep, but check him out. Shout out to him as well. Dr. Mort Ortman who came on talking about the stress, giving some tips. Dr. Andrew Hill loved talking to Dr. Andrew Hill, uh, all kinds of neuroscience based treatment stuff. I love it. Cutting edge stuff too. look up Dr. Andrew Hill stuff. He's doing out in California. Good stuff, especially if you're dealing with addiction. 
uh, you know, you may want to go that way. But uh, I don't know. I think it's almost everybody from the year, I think. No, fuck. That's just April, people. That's just back to April. I, I feel bad if I'm like covering all of it. But I loved everybody. I'm telling you, I loved all these guests. I learned so much from everybody. And now you might understand what I mean when I talk about rabbit holes and how far, how far are you getting rabbit holes. I mean, it goes so far back, man. I mean, Edward Price, who came on and walked us through the Baha'i religion. What a cool story. Uh, just enlightenment. I, I got to get him back on to finish what we were talking about as well. Uh, Dr. Bahia Maroon, uh, social scientist out at Rollins College, uh, doing some great research with her group out there. That was fun. Big Mike, the messenger. You will be seeing him in January. He's coming back on, doing his thing, helping the kids, trying to make heaven on earth like usual. I uh, love that guy too. Danny Mac, shout out to my uh, my boy, man. Miss your brother up in uh, New York. Um, you've seen him on a few shows. Hope to see you back here soon, dog. I miss you. Miss you a lot, man. Love the fuck out of you, Danny. Oh, man. Where are we at now? We're still going. Jill Wheeler. You will see Jill Wheeler back if she'll give us the time. I hope she will. I'm pretty sure she will. You want to talk about a powerful, strong woman. You want to listen to a podcast and inspire your ass. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. You go listen to episode 66 of Jill Wheeler. And she drops some shit on you. <laughs> All this idea about feeling selfish and how this is negative or a bad thing. She kind of put some of that shit to sleep, man. I loved it. Uh, an old friend of mine, Lance Ranzer, who I went to school with. He was on before her. He's out there running the animation for The Walking Dead, doing all kinds of shit. Won a bunch of fucking awards. Uh, congratulations on your girl, too, Lance. I see uh, the book you wrote paid off, huh? Check out Lance's book, too. Uh, something about how to treat a woman. I'm sorry if I forget your title, brother, but check it out. Jason Crabtree. The conspiracy bearded man himself. Uh, he was on the book tour with us. Uh, me, Danny, and Jason took off uh, around the South doing a little book tour. Hope you're doing well, uh, paddleboard Jesus. <laughs> That's what you look like, man. But I uh, hope you're doing good. Check out his shit. He's a hell of a werewolf out there doing his stuff, man. You want to get deep in some stuff and some questions, you know, that's the guy to check out. Oh, man. Man, I guess I ended up really kind of covering everybody. I'm going to have to tag everybody on this. My buddy, Ronye Hawkins, he's coming back on. You know him. You've seen him. He's got a couple videos. We did some freestyle stuff together. He's got a video or a movie out now, actually, that you got to check out. Uh, Ronye's going to come on sometime in February. He'll tell you all about it. DJ Kid Nemesis, shout out to you down in Miami, man. I know you're killing it, doing your thing. Thanks for coming on. Ronnie Graham, actor. You're going to see this dude. Producer, writer. He's doing his own thing. Jennifer Elizabeth Masters. It's another powerful woman that I think embodies the idea that my mom actually told me. I love my mom. My mom gives great advice. So I'm just telling you that courage does not always roar. And Elizabeth, uh, Jennifer Elizabeth Masters, you can look up the mother to Adam Gates, the naked and healthy man himself, uh, who's also come on a few times. Shout out to you two. Uh, she is that uh, courage that doesn't necessarily roar. And I think she really represented that on her show. And really, she's a beautiful person. Check her out. And her son, too, Adam Gates. Shout out to you, brother. Um, I, I see you doing your thing, man. Uh, I'm really proud of you, man. I uh, just uh, keep, kicking, keep kicking the books out. Keep doing your thing. Keep loving everybody like you're doing. You represent a good thing, man. Shout out to you too. Dr. Joan Collins, oh, another strong woman, just been in the battlefields fighting addiction and fighting the way people treat addiction. If you want to see, really, you know, learn really about how to fight that holistically, et cetera, Dr. Joan Collins was a great podcast. And I met her through two other guests, Eric and Brooke Kimmer, are also friends of mine that 
were on the podcast. They actually came and did the podcast the day or so after they got married or after the honeymoon or something, but it was beautiful talking to them. Uh, Eric and Brooke are, are into helping people dealing with addiction and finding holistic ways to do so. It was a pleasure to meet them this year uh, and cross their paths. And Dr. Joan Collins is who they were working with and brought to me. And uh, it was a great podcast. And my brother, Brett Richard, Brett Richard from ESPN 93.3 Fit Project Radio. You know how you do, brother. I love the shit out of you, man. Your show's killing it. Your magazine's killing it. Uh, you've really blown your stuff up, dude. I'm telling you, my friend Brett Richard down in Naples, Southwest Florida, ESPN Radio. Um, we did some shows together this year, man. That was really fucking cool that you and I, and uh, you brought the opportunity to me to uh, be on ESPN and, and host, I don't know, five or six shows. Got to interview some good fucking cool things. I happened to interview Platinum Mike Perry for his last interview before the ufc called him up to knock motherfuckers out i happened to get that interview right after uh he beat uh, uh redneck david uh i always want to say much not david oh help me you guys are saying it out there if you're listening but anyway beat him and i got to get that interview because brett you know we we're doing those shows together and that was fun man check him out fit project radio uh it was a fun show brett i know you'll be back on shout out to my big brother sitting up in alaska freezing is well he's probably not freezing he's a big fucking bear He's probably out there sitting in the two degree weather in the snow with a bow and arrow waiting for something to walk by. Um, <laughs> uh, happy New Year to you, big brother. I love you. Thank you for coming on the show. And you came on the show all year when you were head football, when you were a head football coach at Kenai a little bit. And then when you're a defensive coordinator out at Kodiak, shout out to all my uh, listeners that stayed around at Kodiak High School. Those bears out there are doing it. And uh, my sister-in-law, Noel. Um, yeah, look at, listen to that segment, the boys of Kodiak that we did before. ESPN did their whole show about football on ice and all that shit about the high school that they followed up there, Barrow or something. We had already done the show before ESPN called the boys of Kodiak and about what they go through to travel to play football. It was fucking crazy. It's crazy. You have no idea high school students or high school football players, what it's like to really play football up there. The Barrow thing, I'm telling you, ESPN ripped me. But uh, and it was funny because Barrow ended up playing Kodiak for the last game of the season. ESPN was there. But uh, that was a great thing. So thanks, Big Brother, for doing that. Shout out to Kodiak, too, as well. Uh, and now he's over at Kenai. So shout out over there, leaving those Cardinals, too. Andrew Moranti, that brings me to you, brother. That brings me to the very cup I'm holding, Mr. Andrew Moranti. Listen, dads. He's a good dad. You want to model and learn some dad shit? Look up Andrew Moranti. He's starting a new podcast next year, which I love dad's formation project and he's going to be interviewing all kinds of dads right and he's a very alpha male dad don't get this dude twisted man he's listening to his podcast he got a lot of reviews on itunes too but just the humble guy is just a great guy he's a dude that i really trust man you can't help but love him uh listen to andrew Moranti, dude shout out to you man happy new year you and your family congratulations on the new Moranti that just showed up as well and like i know you will this year andrew get shit done baby thanks for the cut man uh can't wait to hear your podcast the dad's formation project as well Oh, Renee Gagnon, which I can never say because it's French. She's killing it. Listen to that show if you really want to be educated in the state of marijuana and where it was. Um, she's one of the first publicly traded marijuana title companies. It was deep. A lot more knowledge than I had. So she was on the podcast too. Uh, Leo Ball, I love you. My original mentor, and if you've read The Cognitive Rampage, Leo Ball is all through that book. Um, he came on and he dropped his quick five steps to finding the right relationship. And he happened to do that on Valentine's day last year. So thank you, uh, Leo. I look forward to come down and seeing you down soon, buddy. Um, well, 
Adam Gates, I talked about you. Kevin Murray, my friend up north. I hope you're doing well, brother. I haven't talked to you at the Float Lab in a while. Uh, hope your dreams are still floating along. And uh, that kind of wraps up the year. Yeah, just me rampaging after that. So I think I actually did. I think I went down every freaking <laughs> show just about that we had. If I missed you, I'm a piece of shit. Oh, Glenn Marshall. Holy shit, baby. I'm sorry, brah. Sorry, brah. My uh, Hawaiian friend, my D.C ambassador for their drug policy reform shout out to uh students for sensible drug policy that was a great show too i love doing that glenn you've been on thanks for having me on your show this year check out his show called the addictive podcast all things education drugs and and treatment uh glenn's deep in it so shout out to you man keep doing what you're doing uh love this shit out of it man <clears throat> well if i missed you i'm sorry i'm a piece of shit uh no i'm not i'm a beautiful person I live my cognitive rampage. I'm not. So let's get to the advice, huh? Hmm. I hate it. I try not to drink in the fucking microphone because when hosts do that shit and I'm listening, I'm like, ah. Um, all right. So the advice that I promised on a few podcasts for 2017 and to walk into 2017 is like this. If you're watching here, Click the link. Sorry, I'm talking to people live on Facebook podcast. If you're watching here, follow the link. I got to shut this off now. Follow the link and uh, I'll give you the advice for 2017. See what I did there? All right. Um, we're still live. It's posted. You know that sound, right? When you know it's posted. Ding. Like some food's done or something. But um, <clears throat> this is going to get kind of maybe a little serious, but. You know, I, you hear a lot of advice going into the new year, right? All kinds of things, resolutions that do this, cut the dead weight, right? All this kind of stuff. And uh, the cut the dead weight thing kind of bothers me sometimes. You know, I even posted it, right? But I think about that sometimes and I'm like, cut the dead weight. So we, we're looking for friends, right? And we're looking for relationships and we're looking for things that we can count on, people we love and people we depend on, especially when we get in rough times. Well, what if everybody decided to take that advice next year and cut the dead weight off their lives? People that were negative or maybe were going through some shit, and we all did that. You, you see, you see, you got to be careful of the advice that you give. Because when you put that forward, cut the dead weight. Now I can hear somebody, whoa, 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 that's not what it means. Well, what it's really saying is, well, fucking say that then. Don't say cut the dead weight, right? Cut the people that are holding you back. This becomes really subjective because who you may think is holding you back may actually be challenging you and maybe pushing you to become a better person. So if we start cutting all this dead weight per se, what if we're cutting the people we can learn from? What if we cut people we could actually help? But that's right. You're right. We got to take care of just ourselves, right? I get that. Take care of you. I say that. And I agree with that. But sometimes take care of you can also mean taking care of other people and being there for other people, you know? So, the advice you get, you got to kind of watch, right? I'm just asking you to read into it. Look into what it really fucking means, right? What does that really mean? You know, I talk a lot about finding your purpose, right? And how, you know, I know it's shock value, but follow me. When I start out by saying there is no purpose, okay? It, it, it's shock value. Kicks in the front door. Makes people jump back up like, wait, no, what? No one can prove it. You, you can't prove it's your purpose. You can't, there's no signal. There's no light, no certificate, no balloons drop when you found it and it rewards you a certificate. You found your purpose. It's a, a moment. We announce it in an emotional moment that we have based on some beliefs and thoughts that we 
create and we subjectively announce that or to ourselves or out loud and we are therefore we deem it our purpose. And this sounds all negative. I get it. It's not that idea. But what I'm saying is being aware of what that really means. Right. So if somebody's telling you, you know, find your purpose. Well, if you're logical or rational, finding the idea of a purpose, well, I'm never going to know if it is. And does it change? And so what I say is being aware of that allows you to use that superpower, right? Because it does shape beliefs. So if we believe something is, then that's how we shape our thoughts, which create our feelings, which predict behavior. So knowing and being aware that there really no, there's no such thing as like find your purpose because it's subjective. And we know that, that in an emotional moment, what I'm asking is to be aware that purpose can change and that purpose evolves. It changes and you may not know what it is and you have that power to thus deem something a purpose to then transform beliefs that you have, which can put you forth on this mission to get done what you want to get done or live how you want to live. So the idea they're correct in saying, find your purpose because it's powerful, but that sounds good, but it's not fully about what it really means to say that find your purpose and you'll be fine as if we all have some destined titled purpose that we've been labeled and pre-programmed to have that if we just keep digging around, we'll discover. And that's misleading to our younger generations. And we put this notion to them, this advice of find a purpose and a passion and you'll be fine. Well, passion is fleeting. You have passion, but you have to feed passion with continued competence and experience to say enthusiastic about what it is you were passionate about. But what we do is talk and preach that find your purpose and find that passion and then you'll be fine. But they don't teach you that purpose is what you choose to be, that purpose is all evolving, that you can choose what your purpose is. Thus, use that as a cognitive tool to fuel you forward about that idea of purpose and putting effort towards something then increases your ability for it, adds more experiences, and then you become good at something. And that raises the ideas. Then you can find passion. Passion doesn't mean that you're, half, you're, you're excellent at it. Passion doesn't mean that you're the best at it or, or anything like that. Like it's confusing to be that if you find your purpose, thus you'll know your passion in my life is solved. This is misleading advice. And perhaps advice you followed for 2016 and you find yourself standing there rationally going, well, I thought being a therapist was my passion. I thought it was my purpose. Well, oh, here I am on a podcast, right? Or maybe I, I thought being a teacher was really what my purpose was doing. And now I'm left in the cold without a purpose. Or maybe where people, especially athletes, fall prey is they think they have found their purpose to be a fighter, to be a football player, to be a coach. And then when that no longer can happen, people don't know how to define themselves any longer. They, they no longer have that title, nor can they perform so they feel less valuable. And you have to be careful about what you seek out and what you call your purpose, what you call your passion, and what you say you were born to do. I'm not saying that it's not powerful. What I'm saying is that it is powerful, is that it is your superpower when you are aware of its full implications and operations and where it comes from and roots and stimulations. Then you understand while you're, why you use the idea of purpose as a tool, not this spiritual subjective idea of finding purpose. Right. Although I'm not saying that either. What I'm saying is something more concrete you can apply in your life, something that you can literally look to that you can apply to. Right. Now's when I have to drop down on my notes here. So that was actually advice I did not mean to give. That was just a random rant. Um, I want to talk about for the really first 2017 is about communication. We hear this shit all the fucking time, okay? So if you're already about to turn this shit off because you think I'm going to drop you the wizardry of good communication or some shit like that, no. Remember, my objective here is at least to get 
you to think. Whether it's to question even me, start there, but eventually question yourself and what you believe, right? But if I can get you to question me, maybe you'll question you. I do it continuously. So let's talk about good communication. Let's talk about how many speakers and books and people travel all fucking over and make billions of dollars selling you how to, how many books on good communication are there? Well, my point is if there was one good way of communication, well, then there would be one motherfucking book and maybe two books because it was written in a different language or something. But it would, that would be it. It's the same thing with parenting. It's the same thing with addiction. If there was this one way to do the thing, there would be the one fucking book, right? And it would be proven. The research is there. That's not how it works. But in communication, it's about the individual. And again, we are back with the awareness. So again, it's not cookie cutter. The steps aren't there. Don't believe this shit where they tell you good communication is by you doing X and Y. Well, that assumes that you know how everybody wants to communicate, which is just like they're telling you you're supposed to. And here we are to my fucking two words I hate, supposed to. So somebody's going to write a book and then tell me a couple steps of how I'm supposed to communicate. Well, I'm telling you not what you're supposed to do, but what to be aware of and through this awareness, right? So first understand that communication is not cookie cutter. There wouldn't be so many books about it. And if you deem yourself a good communicator and you don't communicate well with another person and your response to that is, well, they don't communicate well, I'm here to tell you that you're half that problem because you can't say that I communicate well and they have a problem. No, they just may not communicate the way that you do. So you can't thus say that you are a good communicator because being a good communicator is being able to communicate with all types of receiving and delivering of information. That is good communication, not I do it the proper way. And because you don't, I'm a good communicator and you are not. There's no humility in that shit at all. Right. So when we're talking about good communication, we're aware it's not cookie cutter. We're aware that there's too many books on it. Right. We're aware that If you call yourself that but can't communicate with somebody, then you lack somewhere and then we need to work on our own communication, right? So it's about being aware of how others communicate and being able to meet in the middle of how you receive and give information, right? So good communication is really going, okay, you're communicating a needs, a belief, a desire. I am then thus responding that need, desire to you. And if I stick with my guns, if you will, and change, right, you get what? Our Congress today right? You get nothing that happens. You get just gridlock, right? So if two people aren't willing to be aware, right, that we have to meet in this middle ground somewhere based on how you receive information, how I receive it, and how we both deliver it. And if we can approach that, knowing that we're here to both solve the same puzzle, which is to communicate information, then we can communicate properly. Forget your steps of how to and whatnots. It's about the individual and how they communicate awareness of how the other one communicates and their awareness of how you communicate by sharing with each other how you communicate, how you choose to and how you like to. Again, awareness and open awareness and openness. People can't fix what they don't know is broken. So with that awareness of communication, the awareness to know that you don't have it right, that you're not this good communicator, that we all struggle with it. And when we start to communicate with others, whether it's the same ideas or different ideas, that we only get smarter by listening to both ideas and both arguments. Sometimes some arguments are ridiculous and you do get dumber for listening to them, but at least you know they exist and you can't unlearn then what you now know. So Communication is not this cookie cutter formation that you have to practice rules one, two, and three, and then you'll communicate good. Practice the awareness. You see, you practice the awareness. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about a little, it's called de-escalation, right? You've heard about de-escalation. Say somebody's in a mall, a restaurant, they're yelling, they're screaming, right? You've seen it on Facebook a million times. Well, 
I hate to go to tell you, we're not far removed from the chimp ape thing over here, right? So monkey see, monkey do. I know you've heard that. So when a monkey is responding, and I'm going to say a human being, when a human being, say, is urgently responding, they're yelling, they're screaming, obviously de-escalation has to come into play. Well, here's where cops and a lot of people fuck up, right? Even you that may be trying to de-escalate someone that has their feelings hurt around you, right? You approach this person who's escalated and urgent by going, calm down, it's okay. Or maybe you're that asshole that goes, hey, just relax a little bit, okay? Well, think about it. When you're in that urgent state of feeling and someone tells you to just relax, what's your response? You see? So what happens is when the human being or the monkey is behaving in a certain way and then realizing no one is mimicking the behavior, then the monkey does not feel validated, thus feels insane or wrong, and us humans won't want to do that. So then we have to respond as if the world is wrong and not our behavior. So true de-escalation comes from when the person approaches the person that has escalated by mimicking what the monkey is doing. So you approach this person very excited and urgent at the same time as they are as you ask them, how can I help you? Because now when another monkey or another human being is validating their behavior by going, hey, I'm with you. What? What are we doing? Who's hurting you? How can I help you? When we get there, this person then feels validated and they can now connect and they will de-escalate on their own. It's the same thing about any argument, any relationship. If you're the one sitting there going, just calm it down. Relax, okay? You don't have to, you watch them build up. Well, that's their own doing because their own thoughts are creating their own feelings, okay? But let's not go there. Let's just respond with what we are in the moment, right? So that urgency is what has to be acknowledged because really what we're asking for is validation. When someone is angry or loud or upset or even crying, what we're doing is going, please validate that you understand that I feel this way and that I'm allowed to. And here's where communication does fuck up is where we think that we have the right to think and feel how we want to while someone else does not. Because we believe it to be the truth and believe what, what we believe is to be truth, right? But I'm not going to walk you down the idea of truth. So it's not about alienating the person. That's why I told you about escalation. So when you have a disagreement, when you don't believe the same way, essentially is what it really is, you have to de-escalate. You have to meet them to see where they're, where they're at. Are they worried? Are they scared? Are they nervous? We don't have to make it sound like the way they're responding is insane and that you have it together, Right? That's like telling someone to relax. You're not acknowledging them, but showing the immediacy, showing the urgency with them, not anger toward them, but this immediacy of I'm with you. What can we do? It's showing this validation through behavior. And we do communicate through behavior, right? Nonverbal, verbal, et cetera. These are the other typical things they like to tell you. But it's before I go there, the acknowledgement that someone else has the right to think and feel just as much as you have the right to think and feel what you choose. But a lot of times when someone doesn't, here's why you people get so angry in a response, right? When you watch or see something that you just don't agree with, your response becomes this very subjective period or exclamation point. Now, that's just fucked up. I, I just don't agree with that. See, the reason that response comes is because you believe something deep inside. And in that belief, you think something. And then what you think allows you to feel something and you may behave because of that. So when somebody then believes or says something or behaves against some way that you believe, well, what they're really telling you is the way that you've been believing, behaving, and thinking your whole life, or at least to now, is wrong. So it's not that their behavior or whatever is doing that. It's your fucking ass. It's you going, whoa, that, well, that behavior, here's what you're really saying. Well, now that behavior challenges everything that I believe to be true and factual in this world. Matter of fact, I can't swallow that fucking pill, so I have to just call that shit crazy. 
You see, cognitive dissonance and concrete beliefs is a strong thing. So we alienate by not understanding, okay, let me acknowledge the fact that this is the person's belief. Look, if you can imagine that anytime you're communicating with anybody, someone you love, a stranger, whatever, you're actually exchanging these top secret beliefs. You don't realize it, right? Because they're just thoughts you think, right? And you think you're reacting off of feelings, but you're not. And you're really exchanging these top secret beliefs when you're like, hey, guess what I'd like? Hey, guess what I don't believe? Guess what I thought? And then that person receives it. Imagine you're going, hey, there's some top secret sealed shit. All right. Now I'm going to tell you it. All right. Here it is. I don't fucking like eggplant, bro. I don't like the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. See, some of you are already losing your shit. So right then is that when the some person you hear it, it challenges what you believe about eggplant or the Miami Dolphins. And then you automatically respond like, you're fucking crazy. You don't even know. You ain't even had my grandma's eggplant, right? We start talking about experiences that prove what we believe to be true is true because it challenges everything you believe instead of for a moment going, wow, I wanted to respond to that with such an exclamation, exclamation, no, then maybe I should stop there and go, maybe there's something to learn. Maybe I need to hear this. And just like we want our feelings to be validated and our behaviors even, you got to remember to validate others if we want validation at the same and being aware that they have the same rights to communicate their thoughts and feelings just as you do. And again, if there is no truth, then how is your truth any right? They rolled the roller coaster of the experience they just had and told you it was scary. You just rolled that roller coaster of experience and told them it wasn't. Who's telling the truth? Both of you are because it's both of your perceptions. So communicating is understanding that the awareness and the humility, right? So to stick with the communication, this is the only really advice that I have for communication. This isn't me telling you the steps to take or anything. Is vulnerability. <clears throat> vulnerability and humility are the foundations to good communication. However you build the house on top of your house of communication is your preference. That's how you prefer or what you uh, expect. But the foundation is really vulnerability and humility. The notion to be able to be vulnerable, to be wrong in any situation, to allow a middle ground to happen. Right? And many of us get that confused and allow that middle ground to happen because we're not vulnerable enough to admit that we could be wrong or we could learn something or at least empathetic enough to know that others are allowed the same feelings, the same thoughts, and can go through the same experiences and have a totally different truth. When you're aware of that, you begin not to force your truth as being the only one so badly. You begin not to shove it down people's throats, sometimes offensively. I still struggle at that. You know, I do. But we get confused there because there's a difference between standards, expectations, and preferences. This is the tail end of the little communication, the first tip, is the difference between standards, expectations, and preferences can help you on a couple levels in life, <clears throat> especially if you're dating. Never lose the standard. Never drop your standard. Know what your standards the fuck are. Write them the fuck down. I don't care if it's relationships or personal. You write down what your fucking standards are, period. Not your preferences and not your expectations. You see, expectations are the killers of relationships. Assumptions and expectations are the killers of relationships. So if you have expectations and you're out there trying to date someone, 
and you're dating by your expectations, well, you may miss somebody that very easily meets your standards and can make you happy and feel, but you have these expectations set in place, what you think you deserve, right? That's really your standard. See, if you expect this because you think you deserve it, well, that's a standard. So place that in your standard column. These are my fucking standards, okay? Now, here's some expectations. I expect them not to hit me, cheat on me, right? And this is any else thing in life. I expect these things. Now, what about preferences? So if you're out there dating, you're trying to, or communicating with anybody, and apply these same standards, expectation, preferences to how you communicate your beliefs to to people. And let's say I'm out there dating and I'm dating by my preferences. Now, this is an order, right? It's preferences on the very top, right? That's the icing on the cake, if you will. The center of the cake is kind of the expectations, but that base, that foundation of the cake, if you will, the flour, the whole mix, the, you know, not building your house on sand, right? That foundation of it, that's the vulnerability and humility. That, that, that's the standard, right? Because my standard is I'm vulnerable, I'm humble, and that's my standard for me, you know, what you would look for. So that's your standard. And then we've already talked about what you expect. Now let's say you're dating on preferences. Why I prefer X tall, X color hair, X religion, Y this, um, these and that. I prefer they do all these preferences. You know what kind of field you just narrowed your fucking search to? And you're out there running around talking about you can't find happiness or love. Because what you do is you run around out there with your standards, expectations, and preferences all fucked up. All run together. Because you think you're deserving of all of your preferences, not realizing that you don't bring all your preferences to the table either when someone chooses you because that's probably a lack of humility. But being vulnerable enough to understand what we lack and what we bring to the table, we can be more open about the preferences, expectations, and standards to truly find love and truly communicate properly. And when you can communicate through that vulnerability, that humility, the openness and awareness that other people have a right to feel as you do, that you create your own feelings and that we can meet middle grounds and that we grow from that. And that communication is done by understanding how others communicate also as well as you understand how well you communicate. And then being open to that change and meeting in the middle and understanding it's an exchange of secret beliefs that we create in our own mind. And we all have our right to our own truths, our own experiences of what happened. And to help keep that separated, we can use our standards, expectations, and preferences to help guide us on what we do. That's my divs for communication. What's up? (laughs) All right, the second part. The second part I want you to think about. You hear a lot of people, a lot of life coaches, motivational people, inspirational speakers, authors, bloggers, right? Fucking, I don't know. You see them, right? Facebook philosophers, right? You see them all. Try to block it out. They talk about discipline. You hear about discipline a lot. Discipline, discipline. I'm sorry. I hear that word. It fuck my ass hurts. It's like I'm getting spanked again or some shit, right? I'm like, what's a discipline? Ugh, discipline. But discipline is serious, right? We got to have a discipline routine sometimes. What we think, how we treat ourselves, how we treat our bodies. Right? Discipline is very good in our lives. And a lot of talk, speakers, bloggers, everything I said, they confuse two notions. They confuse the notion of discipline and self-control. Self-control and discipline are not the same fucking thing. When you confuse those two, the, the issue of doing that is then you become convoluted of what tools and strategies to apply and when to apply them. Here's the separation. The difference between discipline is that discipline is done over time and in your routine. Over time and in your routine, that's discipline. Self-control is done in the moment, that moment of choice. 
that moment where it's to work out, not to work out, to eat the sugar, to eat the green, right? This, that decision, that's the self-control. And there's a difference. And when you can understand, again, awareness, everything fucking comes back to awareness. And again, you can't get fucking aware if you ain't humble enough to know what you don't know or admit what you don't know. So knowing the difference between discipline and self-control lets me know what tools and strategies I need to look for to apply here. If I have a problem with discipline, what I'm saying is I have a problem maintaining a constant healthy routine. So what tool and strategy can I use to help me maintain a more disciplined routine? See, then I go, I have a problem with self-control. Every time I walk by that brownie case, bro, whew, right? Not me, I'm a, I'm a salt tooth, but that's the self-control. So then what you can do is use cognitive strategies in the moment because now you know you're dealing with self-control issues, not discipline issues. Because overall, your discipline routine is good. It's just that fucking moment, that one, two, three days at work when I'm walking by the thing or the vending the thing or I'm working too late. Then you know that's an exercise of self-control. So now you search for tools and strategies to apply in the immediate moment and the self-control. There's cognitive de-escalation. There's things of reframing to where you could look at the sugar because we look at food and we could say, man, you know, I believe food should taste good, right? But if you are not aware, if that's your belief, really, you may not wonder why you keep eating poorly because deep down knowing you may know that you got to eat healthy. You may know how to and all that shit, but deep beneath you believe food should taste good. And for some reason, the healthy shit doesn't taste good to you. So you walk by and then in that moment of self-control, you lack it because you're now aware that your belief says that, hey, man, food should taste good. And that brownie sure looks like it. Instead of being able to reconstruct in the moment and say, hey, food is fuel, buddy. Yeah, food can taste good, but food is fuel. And I need fuel right now, not the brownie, but I need that. See, that's a tool in the moment for self-control. Not a tool that's necessarily going to help me in a big way for my routine. It definitely will, but overall, say, look at my routine, my discipline. What can help me with my discipline? You know what? Taking notes, writing them down, charting down, keeping an idea of it. That's one thing. See, that's a different tool. Keeping notes could help you with the moment, but what are you going to do? Pull your notes out every time you're struggling, right? So knowing the difference, there's a difference between discipline and self-control. Discipline is in your routine, and over time, self-control is in the moment. Bet you ain't heard that shit before. <laughs> Especially got to give you that advice and say that shit at the end. The last part. You hear a lot of, again, bloggers, authors, speakers, all the ones telling you about learning and growing. Hell, I write about it. I write about learning and growing. I call, I call it competence, right? When you acquire competence is learning to me. But there's a difference between learning and growing. Can you guess what they are? All right. So just because you learned something doesn't mean you've applied it. Growing is applying what you've learned. So just because you may have learned something, acquired competence, you can't say that you've grown because just knowing something doesn't necessarily mean you've grown. Applying what you've learned in a behavior or in thought, or interpersonally. When you apply that, well, now you're getting growth because you may learn, you're definitely gonna learn something, but you're gonna apply growth. You're gonna apply growth by trying it, exercising it, practicing it, experiencing it. The experience brings growth. You all agree with that, right? So growth comes from the experience of applying what you've learned. There's a difference between learning and growing. So slow down in 2017 
with everything you're fucking learning. Slow down, learn something, and then apply that something and see if it helps you grow. See if it helps you move to where you want to be in that authentic self. Then you've learned more. Then acquire more learning and apply it. Acquire more learning and apply it. And as you learn and apply and find growth, work those same strategies into your discipline to help you with your self-control so you can better communicate with yourself and others around you. Be vulnerable and humble in 2017. Don't be bold and put yourself out there and just believe in this manifestation. Do that. Believe, but work hard. Push forward to that. Communicate with yourself with love and vulnerability and hope. Practice your discipline. Learn tools and strategies and apply them. Just don't keep learning. Apply them and grow. Thank you for being a part of 2016 with myself, the Cognitive Rampage, and all my guests that I covered and talked to, uh, all those that listen, all those across the world that are already in 2017 and us heading there. I love you all very much. Be safe tonight. Happy New Year. I'll see you next year. Love you.